everyone. Welcome to episode 44 versus media live, um, open forum new explosion. I was just going to do an episode on breaking down Biden's 60 minutes interview. Uh, but because it's been a few days and some other fun insanity has entered the news cycle, um, I thought I'd just make it open form. So anybody that has any thoughts, media, politics, culture, anything, uh, feel free to jump up into the caller's queue. Um, we saw something happen today, or rather, I guess last night, but mainly today, uh, involving the governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, and a quote she gave at a panel. And it's a good uh, example about what you are up against if you are just a consumer of information. And uh, this, this also goes along with what I talked about on the podcast with uh, the media basically whitewashing a Democrat council member murdering a journalist, and uh, as well as ignoring a uh, a murder of a teenager who was reportedly murdered over his conservative beliefs in a political dispute. Um, but today with Abrams was a pretty good example of what, like I said, you are up against and what you have to contend with as someone who seeks out information, seeks out facts, seeks out science, seeks out biology, um, any of those things. And I'm talking about, uh, Stacey Abrams gave a quote at a panel, and I want to find the exact quote that she gave. So we're uh, not doing this. Um, She was sitting with um, six or seven people. She said, quote, there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured, she's talking about ultrasound, she said, it is a a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. And there's, of course, open, there's a dispute about what makes a heartbeat. Is a heart developed in a fetus? But uh, even Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine says that by four weeks, the heart is uh, gestated, it is beating, it is doing what the media is uh, conveniently referring to as cardiac activity. Um, as this clip got spread around, several people on the left, including fact checkers and people like uh, Glenn Kessler, pretty much mobilized instantly to defend Abrams and then also say, well, actually what she's saying is this. And you don't see this on the political right. If this was something that, again, Donald Trump has said, and I want to compare, and I want to compare a clip to something Trump said, to how Biden was treated. And again, this is what I mean about when people say the media is not the problem, is when a Democrat like Stacey Abrams clearly makes a claim where you want to say, where you want to back up and say, hold on, I, I, want, to, I want to talk about this part where you say the sound is manufactured and it's designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. She's basically saying that whomever, you know, when the ultrasound was invented and it's used in hospitals all over the world now, um, it's used in every, almost every instance of prenatal care if you're in a doctor. And she's essentially saying that this is a global conspiracy. The ultrasound is a global conspiracy uh, created by, I don't know, men or a cabal of secret cabal of men. Uh, And the sound is manufactured. It was made. It was designed 
I guess, like The Handmaid's Tale to say that uh, this we're making this sound to let you know that we have the right to take over your body. This is one of the most batshit lunatic claims of any mainstream politician. And if you notice, they're ignoring this part of her quote. They're focusing up on the, on the, the heartbeat at six weeks. And they're just sliding right past the rest of her quote. And that's the one that's interesting to me. And that's what I pointed out on Twitter. And uh, I've gotten some interesting responses from all over the place. Um, but what you saw, again, is you saw Glenn Kessler, you saw uh, Grace Faraka from Yahoo and New York Mag and several others instantly jump in to defend what Stacey Abrams said. And there's a reason why they did that, because they know what the alternative means. If they actually fact check this, 100% accurately with medical professionals and not citing NBC or NPR, which is what Glenn Kessler did, it, the argument doesn't lead anywhere good for them. The, the main question is, is it a living uh, human life or isn't it? And that's, to me, the only question that really matters. Those of you who know me know that this is not my issue. This is not, uh, I, I dabble it and I talk about it in terms of how the media twists things like ultrasound technology to basically bend reality to their will. And that's what they're doing here. Um, it's very, very similar to the can men have babies debate. What is it? What what defines a woman, as we saw with the Supreme Court justice? And they they literally kind of just say, we're going to bend reality. to oh, Of course, men can have babies because we, we have to be inclusive. And you can say it until you're blue in the face and it does not make it scientifically true. And this is something that, again, this party could not get away with without the structure of media laid out that the way it is. Uh, this, it is a perfect example of, of what you see of, of a Democrat politician. And for some reason, I, I, to, to this day, I have no idea what they have invested in Stacey Abrams. When a Republican politician loses their election, generally they, they retire, they're out to pasture. You generally never hear from them again. And instead, we get people like Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams on the left who are made into just media stars. They get glamour mag covers. They, they get guest show appearances. They, they pop up on Kimmel. Stacey Abrams was even an episode of Star Trek where she was declared the president of Earth. And this to me, it, this is an interesting dynamic that I think people on the political right see. And we see the differences in how these people are treated. Uh, it's, it's the same dynamic that, that allows Jamie Raskin to object to certifying an election, while people like Jake Tapper just look the other way. It's the same justification of why someone like Benny Thompson, the chair of the January 6th committee, can refuse to certify an election. People like Jake Tapper and our media just look the other way. Uh, and as I've always said, this, this is a very simple argument that we're allowed to do this and you aren't. And that's all it boils down to. And they know that they're allowed to do this because, again, they have the majority of a media structure on their side. Um, a good example is, I guess, uh, Trump sat down with Sean Hannity last night and he was, you know, firing off as he always does. He's just, you know, winging it as, as he always does. And he, he slips in one of his answers. He says, I, I can just even think it when he's talking about um, declassifying documents. And so he throws that in there. And it also reminds me to when Trump said, you know, uh, very fine people and, uh, you know, proud boys stand back, stand by. And they take him very pedantically at what he's saying. But when it comes to Stacey Abrams, they ignore an entire chunk of her quote. Or when it comes to Joe Biden saying he uh, the pandemic is over, we ignore that quote or uh, the entire 
press corps forgetting that the Biden White House has uh, White House press briefings every day. Uh, Daniel Dale is nowhere to be found when those come on TV all of a sudden, and neither is Glenn Kessler. When White House press briefings used to be appointment TV, it was like sitting down to watch Seinfeld. They did it every day and they fired off a thousand fact checks. And somehow that uh, has ceased to happen. And so this thing with Stacey Abrams is a perfect example. And this thing with ignoring political violence on the left, when you've been browbeating people for four years that Trump's rhetoric is going to get a journalist killed, and then suddenly a Democrat kills a journalist and they completely erase his party ID. I said this on my podcast, this one is bewildering to me. It's it's professional uh, shamelessness. And this is where you know they, they are frauds. They really don't believe their mob protect democracy uh, language when they go out of their way to protect someone who just killed someone in their profession. And of course, we all know how that would be covered had it been a Republican who killed a journalist in Las Vegas, um, as well as this teenager who was run down by a pickup truck, a guy in a pickup truck, uh, pretty much was uh, completely ignored by national media. I went through my podcast on uh, whatever, two days ago, however, and I, and I went down all the news organizations that hadn't even covered this. They hadn't even touched it. And so today is a good example. And this week has been a good example of what you're up against. And again, why these people kind of soundly have to be defeated in, in an information you know, battlefield, if you want to call it. Uh, not So just so I don't get accused of calling to arms or anything. Um, but this idea that Stacey Abrams can throw out a quote like this today and the entire press corps rallies to her defense, knowing full well that one, she's wrong, and two, she's, again, engaging in a conspiracy to me that is worse than anything that QAnon has come up with. Uh, I kind of think that the ultrasound was designed by a secret cabal of evil men to keep uh, women uh, to force women into pregnancy and to sh- and it was manufactured her words are very specific uh, it was manufactured and designed to let women know that men control their bodies and again uh, the entire press just said oh shit and they jumped to her defense the good news is that Stacey Abrams is probably going to be defeated again and the bad news is, is she's probably not going to go anywhere uh, she'll probably be handed a seat on the view if I'm being honest so a few, a few events happened this week, uh, but feel free to touch on anything that you want. I said that this is going to be an open forum, uh, just kind of an AMA. Um, and so uh, I, do want to, I do want to make this a hard out at pretty much 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I will be doing this again tomorrow, probably the same thing, uh, not really a specific topic. So if you don't get up tonight, um, just come back tomorrow, and I'll try, to, I'll try to remember where you were in the queue. So... Uh, we don't run too late tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. As always, uh, I guess Colin has changed its interface a little bit. So if you've done this before, just be aware of the location of some of these new controls. There's mute, uh, invite, everything. There's the emojis are still there. Um, but as always, um, just be, be mindful that sometimes there's people behind you waiting to get in uh, get their turn. And also just, uh, if you could, please mute your mic, uh, mute your phone if you're not talking. Part of that's me. I just get distracted. And then part of that is also just makes it a more pleasurable listening uh, experience and not such a chaotic auditorium 
uh, event um, so Fetterman doesn't go off and kill everyone. Uh, so I'm just going to have a brief setup and then just jump in. We'll just go here for about 50 minutes. So, uh, Brad, go ahead. Jesus, I, hey. have I have to relearn where all these controls are so I don't hang up on anybody. Go ahead. Thanks, Stephen. Um, uh, something's kind of been running around my head. Um, it's, it came from something you said um, on the last podcast where you're just kind of talking about kind of the, the latest development in the, you know, migrant flight, the DeSantis migrant flights, which was, you know, juttle gum, either somebody feeding him some BS or uh, him just making up the fact that, oh, they're, they're coming to Delaware. I, you know, I, he, he, he got on, he got, he developed some 4chan, uh, you know, flight tracking office skills and decided, you know, to have this tip and everyone whipped into a frenzy. And it kind of made me think of when, you know, different things would happen in the Trump administration and his most vocal um, proponents would say, oh, you don't understand. It's 40 chess. He really knew how the left was going to react. And, you know, this, this situation where, okay, nothing happened in Delaware. And yet, you know, DeSantis said he would send migrants to Delaware at some point, and I imagine he will, probably at a time when it's least expected, and um, it does feel a little bit like 40 chess to me. It's kind of it's kind of everything that was promised. It, it reminds, it, I could every time someone was talking about that of, hey, they didn't show up when they had a press gaggle and were all ready, and the fact that they probably will show up, it reminded me a lot of um, Sun Tzu's Art of War, which is, you know, attack the enemy where he is not and, you know, um, only fight when you're at your strongest and your enemies at your weakest. And just that, that compare and contrast of not being afraid to, uh, you know, it's cliche to say own libs, but, um, you know, have a bit of controversy if it proves your point. Um, but also execute it in a very precise way and know exactly what you're doing. Kind of like how Andrew Breitbart would roll out stories, give out a little bit of information. Oh, well, they're going to say, well, that's not, that's provable lie. And he just made that, oh, well, I got, I held back these facts and, and just, just be three steps ahead every, every bit of the go. I just want to hear your thoughts. I think what's interesting about the Delaware thing is that that wasn't 4D chess. That was something that literally Gentlegum just, Pulled, he, he saw that there was a flight with the same flight tail number uh, that was used. And he said it's in San Antonio and it looks like it's uh, directed towards Delaware. And the entire media just jumped at it. DeSantis didn't have to do anything on that. That was, that was an entire media structure jumping through confirmation bias. That instead of examining the source and somebody like Jettelgum, who is a... Uh, he's one of the worst source of accurate information going back to, to his think progress days. And largely if you are a full blown political activist and you see this happen with them a lot, you see a lot, you see this happen with our media about who is taken as credible and who isn't. And Juttle gum is someone that they all take very seriously because they all are progressives and they all believe think progress. And so when somebody like Judd Gum, who I, I view it as just a, as a rank pol political hack and partisan who lies for the political left, when he does that, they all just jump. 
They don't think this is similar to the to the BYU race hoax because it confirms what they believe. They just jump on it immediately. It's this had to have happened. This had this had to have. And it's, I mentioned this with Brianna Keelar, who, you know, she she has a production team, for instance, and they all meet every day or uh, either through Zoom or through email. And they say, here are the stories we want to go over this week, which ones are going to make it in the show, which ones aren't. And then she has like a group of writers who will write, you know, she'll, she probably writes a lot of the copy that goes into the teleprompter herself. But then they have people who come in and they polish it up and she has producers and she probably has a researcher or a junior researcher, um, you know, to make sure that when they're talking about these stories that they get it sort of right. <laughs> um, and at no point when that story made it to air, did anyone in that room go, do we want to hold off on this until we get more like corroboration they say there's an investigation so is this really so i mean that whole jesse smollett thing kind of you know that kind of screwed us and then of course also we got sued by nicholas sandman so is this something we should wait for and wait for the investigation before and and they went no because it had to be first and you had to get it on the air and you had to do this because you had to pounce on it while it was trending and hot on social media and so that's very much the modus operandi of somebody like Juddlegum who will throw something out there. The other thing is he's one of the leading guys who uh, goes after corporations uh, to get them to answer for their uh, donations to conservatives or Republicans. And if you've noticed, a good chunk of the media has picked up on that as well. They've taken that practice much the same way, you know, Brian Stelter, Oliver Darcy just started copying what Media Matters does. A lot of the media started copying what Judd Legum does. Uh, because they think it's sensationalist. They go, oh, this is a great point. Oh, look, this company gave $500,000 to this person. And now you've seen that that's basically their only card that they play. The, the, the Disney parental rights bill is a good example. They couldn't stop the bill. It was going to pass. So instead, they all went to corporations in Florida. They went to like United Airlines, and then they went to Disney. And they said, are you going to speak up about this? Or do you just agree with this? And Disney, before they knew, it's like, oh, I, shit, I don't know. Um and so when half the media picks up the practices of a guy, they're going to jump when he says there's a there's a plane with a tail number, fin number that was one used. And it looks like it's headed for Delaware. And it got to the point where that question made it to Joe Biden. The governor of Delaware had a delegation on the fucking tarmac and with just dozens and dozens of people in media just waiting for the plane to land. And so in order to call it 40 chess, you'd have to suggest that the DeSantis people had something to do with that. And I don't think that they did. I do think you're right that they'll probably, they'll send another flight here probably after the news cycle dies down and it could probably end up going to the Hamdens or, you know, Delaware, or even Biden said we have lovely shoreline. So it, so it sends them there. Now you can say, what are you guys complaining about? Even, even Biden said, you guys have a lovely shoreline. And so I just I thought it was hilarious that they just they didn't have to do anything. That flight ended up landing in New Jersey. And now the conspiracy is that they sent an empty flight. So it's it's mind boggling that they have basically transferred over. One of the things about Donald Trump is he was just blessed with enemies as crazy as he is or crazier. And the Trump, you know, the Trump years brought out a lot of people on the right, brought a lot of people out of the work on the political right. But it really brought out just all of these characters, especially on social media. Um, I, I mean, a woman got a Netflix special because she lip synced his quotes in, in videos. And it's mind blowing that people, the media go, oh, yeah, that's good. That's going to sell. Well, no, nope, we don't know what happens to her anymore. I don't know what she's doing. 
Um, so, I mean, that's the latest conspiracy is that the, the Santos administration booked that flight and they flew it and it was empty or, or something. And so to say it's like 4D chess, I wouldn't say that that is. I mean, I would say that this is, as I wrote today at Washington Examiner, I think that this is just a new form of, I call it aggressive conservatism. I'd say offensive conservatism, but then people are going to think it's offensive as in, you know, crude or offended. And that's not what it is. I think that this is a way of saying the Biden administration isn't doing anything to secure the southern border. They know it. Our media knows it because this is another issue that they just completely ignore. And it's also a thing where, you know, Gavin Newsom, who won't shut up about Florida, he knows what he's doing when he talks about Ron DeSantis. If he talks about Ron DeSantis, he knows the national media is going to pay attention. And that's largely the reason why he doesn't talk about what's happening in his own state. Um, And so I look at this and I say that to me, these are policy stunts and it's not human trafficking. And, you know, the, the white Lululemon wine mom outrage uh, saying that this is trafficking and this is kidnapping. And then they go and talk to the migrants and they're like, no, this is pretty great. I, I never thought I'd get to see New York City. I never thought I could even get to see my, you know, Martha's Vineyard. I thought I'd be trapped in that fucking Texas hellhole for the rest of my life. And again, that's just another aspect of white saviorism that, you know, you see in the Democratic Party. You're, you're going to be Latinx now. You're, La- you're Latinx. What? No, I'm not. I'm fucking Latino. No, you're Latinx, dear. And that's all this is where they, you know, they say, you human traffic these people. And then um, there was even a tick. There was even a, an Instagram account of one of the migrants who was a teenager where he's just sitting there. He's like, this is awesome. And uh, I didn't bring much attention to that because I don't want to blow this poor kid up. Um, but again, you, this is a this is aggressive policy where it's like if you guys aren't going to secure the border and your attitude and the media's attitude, the media is not going to cover it. So we have to do something that's going to get you to cover this. And that's exactly what happened. It's been the number one thing being talked about for the last week. Um, nobody's talking about Joe Biden's, you know, inflation reduction bill anymore. And so I, I do think in that sense. It was a master stroke. And I do think DeSantis and his people know that whenever he, you know, moves two feet to the right or to the left, if he just if he gets out of bed in the morning, it's going to be a national story. And that's primarily because uh, you, you have a media that sees the right coalescing in some ways around him. And that's whether I, I think that's irre- irrelevant if he runs for president or not. Um, and, and I've said that I, I, I think people need to put, you know, pump the brakes on the presidential talk. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be president to make a statement like he did with immigration. And so I think that they know that they see the political right coalescing around someone. So they're going to bring as much attention to nuke this person as possible. And it's just not working. And so I don't think that this was 40 chess. I think that this was a message. This was a message to the Biden administration. It was a message to the media that says, if you don't want to cover this, we're going to force you to cover it. And, you know, the fact that Greg Abbott had been doing this for months, he's been sending migrants up, you know, north to D.C. and New York since, you know, is is May. But the the second that Ron DeSantis sends two, you know, 50, 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard, now you have a nuclear story and you're you're already seeing them. They're, they're, you know, these resistance, legal fever swamp dreams of uh, getting him indicted have just they just transferred over from Donald Trump right over to Ron DeSantis without even missing a beat, even to the point to where, you know, Jay Bowie from the New York Times said he's he's a he's a he's more dangerous person than Trump because he doesn't have the the eccentricities and the soft edges that Trump has. (laughs) 
And that was one where, wow, I mean, we knew that was coming, but we didn't think it was going to come that fast. So in this particular instance, I don't really think it was, I think the stunt was in a way 4D chess, but as far as, you know, an entire media complex that swarms around people on Twitter and that's, that's where that's their pulse. That's where they get their information from is people like Judd Legum and uh, of that nature, then they don't have a reason to question it. They're like, well, if he's saying it, then that must be true. Let's dispatch cameras to Delaware. And then the governor is dispatched and, and everything. And if I'm just I'm just sitting there like, okay, have fun. And if you notice, they didn't say anything about it um, until the plane lands. And now it's like, Hey, the point of this was to get you talking about immigration and now you're doing it. And I don't even have to send a flight to get you to do it. No, you're, you're absolutely right in that it was, it was a little bit of 40 chess the first time around. Sansas didn't have anything to do it this time around. Although I think it's useful information. It maybe, you know, shows the hand a little bit about, cause surely if I'm, if I'm the mayor of a quote unquote sanctuary city, that's fairly affluent, a, a Martha's Vineyard type community, I'm trying to think of like whatever my little counter stunt is going to be my, Oh, I'm going to set up a tent and get a nice photo op, you know, well, the counter handing out bowls they, of soup they, or something. They figured it out. They figured it out. They, they knew they lost the optics war. Um, and what's so funny is they knew they lost it when they sent in the national guard and bust them away after one day. Um, I, I saw someone on Twitter just basically say they should have just said, okay, you got us point. Point proven. We get it. Please don't do this again. Um, and of course, then the, the narrative shifted to we welcomed them. And you saw news stories like NPR writing in the Washington Post saying they enriched our lives. We're we're better people for this. And they said, and we proved that, you know, we're not as hateful as you because we welcome them in. And then the very next day after the cameras were gone, get off our fucking get, get him on the buses. Go go to the military base, you know, and turn them somewhere else, please. Um, and so the, the, I, I said that the right thing to do here is that they do this again, exactly kind of what you were, what, what Brad was starting to say is you welcome them in and you say, we're glad to have you. Thank you. Send more. That's what you would do. But for some reason, they can't get out of their own fucking way. You still have Eric Adams saying, you know, our, our, our social safety net is stressed to the core right now. And you say, well, wait a second, you're in New York city. I mean, you have, you have property there where. It's in the it's in the hundreds of millions uh, where people pay to live there. And you have empty office buildings all over midtown Manhattan that will never be used again because people the pandemic just changed things. So you have the space. And that's when they were talking about putting them up at a hotel. And so the right response is, yes, we are sanctuary community. Yes, we will take you. We have made that vow. We're happy to take you. You all enrich our lives and uh, we will take you in. We will help you find employment. Da 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 da. And that, but they didn't do that. And because they didn't do that, because their gut instinct, you know, I think again, Batya Ansarin basically said the right thing. The reason why their heads just exploded on this is because they're content to live in these enclaves. They're content to live in places like Martha's Vineyard, celebrities and former presidents, and then push these policies because they're affecting Texas. It's not affecting me. It's affecting Texas. And yes, we love immigrants. We want immigrants here. We, we don't want concentration camps on the border. And then when you go, okay, here's five of them. They're all of a sudden calling the police because they're hanging out at the Home Depot. And that's a, that's an incredible point to be made. And that's they use their visceral gut reaction, which is, ew, no, poor brown people, go. 
um, because they didn't ever think that they would have to face the consequences of the policies that they support. And that's to me is why they were caught off guard. And I think that probably won't happen again. I think the natural reaction, again, they figured it out. And I'm sure that there's immigrant groups and activist groups who are telling them, if, if you get a plane, show up at the airport with flowers and, you know, rose petals and a parade, have the marching band ready and welcome these people into the community. And I think that's how you would get around a stunt like that. But they they don't really know where it's going to go next. So um, I think you do have to be careful with this. I mean, I think like if you're looking at locations, um, you know, San Francisco, Berkeley, uh, the Hamdens, you're, you're looking at all of these places where they, you know, they preach all of this endless tolerance. And then just to see Gavin Newsom just watch his head explode. Um, and so that, I mean, to me is I would probably send a bus full of them to the French Laundry and say, hey, are you guys hiring? Um, but again, I, I don't know if you even need to do it again. I think the point was made, uh, especially in this particular instance. And I do think you can, I do think you can overdo the point. Um, not so much with sending them to DC and New York, because their, their immigration hearings are in DC anyway, and some are in New York. Um, the problem that they have is they can't answer why this was human trafficking, but why the, when the Biden administration does it, why it is not. And that's a problem when you jump right to the most hysteric explanation and this administration runs with what they see on Twitter, which is human trafficking. Um, you suddenly can't explain why it is when you fly migrants into places like Indiana or North Dakota or wherever you're doing it, Jacksonville or Tennessee, why that is not human trafficking but dropping a, or dropping a busload of them off in McAllen, Texas to just fend for themselves. But when DeSantis charters two private planes uh, with full service on them, uh, how that is somehow human trafficking. That, that to me is a larger point uh, that basically DeSantis and Abbott are doing exactly what the, what the Biden administration is doing. And they don't have an answer for this. And as I said that, they, they were caught so off guard by that that they didn't have an answer. So now they've settled on it's a human trafficking and we're going to prosecute you over it. Okay. Have fun. Let us know. Let us know how that goes. Too much time. So uh, I'll just finish one uh, last thing and let drop off. Um, I, I think I, I have a theory. It's, it's just something I pulled out of my rear, but we'll see on whatever, whatever the next thing, whether it's, you know, drop, you know, dropping off migrants in a plane or, or some other kind of, you know, nap conversation type stunt is my theory is they take their um, cues kind of from whatever messaging push the Biden administration. And when I say messaging, I use it in scare quotes, but um, you know, I think that that Kamala Harris interview, the border is secure. We have a secure border because we have a border and it's needs, you know, that thing. I think that was the catalyst where it's like, yep, I know, you know, we promised we'd do this. Now seems like an opportune time to remind everyone the border is not secure, and maybe the next one won't be immigration related. Maybe it will be, but uh, I don't know. That's that's where yeah. I get the forty chess ideas dropping off. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I would agree with that. I would agree, especially when you know they had a bus drop them right off in front of the Naval Observatory uh, four days after she said the border is secure. Yeah, I would agree that that was very purposeful, and so maybe they'll do it again and they'll put their foot in their mouth again and they'll respond. Um, but that I, I would agree was very purposeful. Kamala Harris says the border is secure and all of a sudden it's here's, you know, a bus full 2025 20, migrants where one of them says to the Fox News reporter, 
that no, we, we just walked across the borders open. Everyone down, everyone down in Guatemala, Venezuela, and these countries. And remember, this is—they aren't coming from Mexico here. A lot of them now are coming from Cuba. They're coming from uh, Venezuela. They're coming from places like Guatemala, and they trek through Mexico, um, which is just unimaginable. I've spoken to reporters who embed themselves with some of these caravans um, at the time that they're doing it, and it's—it's it's just insanity. And they don't give a shit about these people. They don't give a shit about them when they were stuffed under an underpass in Texas at 100 degree heat at this time last year. Um, they don't give a shit about them when they're drowning in the river. They care when they can use a photograph of them being looking like they're being whipped. They, they care then, and then they care when they show up in their precious little communities. But beyond that, they clearly don't give a fuck about these people. Uh, the only way that they ever really cared about them is how they vote. And not, now that's not even a secure thing. So it's going to be real interesting how the midterm shake out and then, you know, how that narrative changes. So, uh, tell Mark, go ahead. So we're, we're, we're going through here. If, if I'll just go through until we have the three, until we're out of callers, I'm fine with making this short, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, hey, Steven, um, just a very, very quick first thought. Uh, I think, I think maybe you're, it's not perfect, but you might just have to go with, uh, conservatism on offense so you don't have to explain what you don't mean every time you no, say that's offensive not, conservatism that's just not catchy i do <laughs> i like the term i like the term wartime conservatism but i think someone who i'm not a real fond of came up with that so i i, I struggle to use that um and so i mean i i would say it's that in the sense of you know how much uh, and, and again as i'm reading the usual you know people with their brows furrowed and finger wagging about stuff like this. I, I'm looking at it and I just go, to me, this isn't Trumpism. This isn't about, you know, rallying behind anything that like Donald Trump says or does. Like when he pulled that idiotic Bible stunt. Um, and I, I don't even, I don't even care about clearing out the protesters in front of the White House. Um, but when he just kind of pulled that Bible, he just walks out and holds the Bible up. Like uh, I was like, that's a that's a stunt about Trump that had, had no policy attached to it, had nothing. It was just, you know, kind of Trump showing his base and showing his followers the big guy that he is. And that's not what Abbott and DeSantis are doing. So anyone who's trying to conflate those two things, and there are a lot of people doing that uh, who still profess to, you know, claim that they are conservatives. Uh, I think that they're conflating the two and I think they're just doing it because they just don't like DeSantis now. Um, and that's, that's all it is. Um, but yeah, it, it is conservatism on offense. It's, it's taking these long held policies and just saying, how much more of this are we supposed to fucking take? Um, how much more of this are we supposed to take in our kids' schools? How much more of this are we supposed to take with immigration? How much more of this are we supposed to take with crime? How much more of this are we just, again, just go down the list and say, you know, this this isn't a debate anymore happening at the AEI fucking think tank. You're not reaching people anymore by doing these things. And so I do think you have kind of a new class of conservative politician, and you could argue that, you know what, they, they're, they're kind of taking things that Trump did here and there and, you know, kind of correct fixing them and then making them their own thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a much more different form of, I would say, again, political activism on, on behalf of uh, conservative politicians. And so, yeah, I, I just called aggressive conservatism. You're right. But conservatism on offense is, um, yeah, it's just, it's, that doesn't fit on a t-shirt. I agree. But, uh, again, in the end, it's shorter than offensive conservatism, but what I mean is not their offensive. <laughs> I could just put that um, on the back. But what I did want to, yeah, <laughs> uh, what I wanted to kind of respond to was on, in the intro, you were mentioning about 
Stacey Abrams and how people like Stacey Abrams and Beto just never go away. Um, they always stick around, even when they lose, even when they lose bad. And Hillary even when Clinton, they, Hillary yeah, Clinton so lost to Donald Trump. Of, Hillary Clinton right. of all, lost to Donald fucking Trump, and she just got like an Apple TV series. Like this is someone. If you're the political left, you would be like, lady, you had a layup election. We gave it to you. The media gave you a layup election. Five billion to get Trump nominated. It worked. It happened. And then you couldn't be bothered to show your face in fucking Milwaukee. And so that to me is the reaction that they should have to someone like Hillary Clinton. But they don't like corporate media and uh, the, the the very elite class of people think that she's just swell and let's give her an Apple TV show. That's what's going to happen with Stacey Abrams, by the way, too. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I, th- I think there's a fundamental reason for it, which is, you know, conservatism. The idea is, you know, I mean, just bluntly, you're conserving some aspect of society that you think is good. You know, coupled into that is the idea that people, individuals have already made responsible and good decisions, whereas progressivism is in service of an ideology and each, you know, it's the change is what's important and each step of change is just automatically presumed to be leading us one step closer to utopia. So when a Republican is not elected, you know, well, clearly that's someone who didn't meet the desires of the electorate. So we need to find someone who will meet the desires of the electorate. When a progressive is not elected, it's because the electorate fucked up. They didn't realize <laughs> they didn't vote for that next step of change that was going to lead them to utopia. So it couldn't be that Stacey Abrams is not a good candidate because obviously change a change candidate would be better than a conservative candidate just per se under the tenets of progressivism. So there's no reason to get rid of the people who didn't uh, uh, didn't win because they were clearly the change candidate, therefore the better candidate. And again, it was, it was the people who fucked up. No, you, well, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. There's, Cause you hear that when you hear like in the last election, it's Latinos, Latinos didn't make a decision like voting for someone like DeSantis or, the, or where we heard in Texas border communities or with Maya Flores who took a seat that hadn't been, you know, a Republican hadn't taken in almost a hundred years. It was, you were misinformed. You, you, you fell for misinformation on Facebook. Okay. And that is, again, that's patronizing. It's similar to patronizing migrants at Martha's Vineyard who are like, no, this place is fucking great. Um, no, no, it's not. You need, you want, you want to get on the bus and you want to leave. You don't want to be here. We don't have, we can't have you here. Um, and we saw this just from Vox what, what yesterday where Vox said uh, Latinos are falling for mass disinformation, whatever. And if you search Vox's uh, history of tweets and stories, you find Latinx right up to until about seven months ago when they said, oh, shit, we're losing people by doing this. Um, no, you're absolutely right that it, it is you dumb voters uh, don't know how good you have had it. And here's Hillary Clinton in your face for the next eight years. And then just I'll I'll uh, I'll kind of give you one last prompt and then uh, drop off, because the one other sort of thought I had with with everything that took place today um, you know, I, like, I really think we, we've seen the good and bad of the internet with, on the one hand, you know, now more than ever, uh, there are receipts for a lot of the people and positions that they've had, and people can pull those receipts, throw them back up. Um, you can go back and look at the things that were being said seven months ago um, and, and contrast. And, you know, that's been good for a lot of conservatives. But at the same time, you saw today how 
you know, uh, we had the entire media technological complex willing to essentially bend reality to the narrative of Stacey Abrams. And if they have to go adjust uh, Miriam Webster online or the Planned Parenthood website or anything else in service of the ideology, well, then that's clearly worthwhile and they'll do it. And it requires, uh, especially now where, you know, I mean, you can't trust okay, will the site still be on archive.org or will they go ahead and also pull that down and, and effectively even rewrite the history of what was the internet uh, in service of the new, very, very important narrative that must be maintained. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, at least when I was a kid, you know, the, 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 uh, the encyclopedia has only got changed out every, what, 10, 20 years in the, in the school library, if you were lucky. So, I mean, you know, it, you, you, you couldn't have this just instant, complete retcon of reality that, that we're now seeing take place. And uh, with that, I'll drop off and let uh, uh, whoever's next hop on. Um, you, you, you made the point more specifically than I could because my, my brain is mush from doing uh, high interval training today. Um, and I thought I had COVID too. I don't. It's just a cold. Um but you made it more precise is it's not that they make the claim. It's not that they defend the claim. It's that they will go back and rewrite what the claim originally was to suit their new reality. And that's ultimately the biggest problem we face. And anybody, and then the other problem is anybody who stands in their way or anyone who objects to it, uh, they get threatened to be deplatformed. They get called an extremist. You get uh, Taylor Lorenz and the Ben Collins hit squad on you. And then you lose uh, your means, uh, you lose your platform. And these are also the people calling their political opponents authoritarians. Um, we already saw where Planned Parenthood changed their website over this, um, or they changed it a while ago. Um, but you're right, it, nothing stops them from going back and changing it. And if you have an illiberal people running like dictionary.com that they think they can just go in and change this, um, then you have a problem where nobody stands up and goes, this is wrong because the people tasked with that, the people tasked with the job of saying, to you, hold on, no, wait a second. No, you can't just go back and change this. Hold on. This is, you know, a language that, you know, is stood for thousands and thousands of years. And I made this example with now they got away from Latinx. Now they're using Latin and you're seeing Buzzfeed reporters just suddenly surface this word. It has no meaning. It's not in any language. And this is kind of what Bill Maher was talking about. Uh, about how you have this guy doing this play, uh, uh, you know, turn, making Joan of Arc non-binary um, and then saying, you know, we're, we're using they, them pronouns. And even Bill Maher says, I mean, she came from a country where the whole language is based on masculine, feminine pronouns. And so now they're just saying, no, 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 they're not. No, we're, we're making a new word and we're going to just throw it in there. And then the media goes, oh, that's inclusive. That sounds good. And then they just stand by and let it happen. And that ultimately is the bigger problem at play here. They're going to, they're going to redefine what a woman is. And they're now they're going to redefine what a heartbeat is and the people who should be tasked with going, you, you can't do that. This isn't, we actually have medical biological science here. Well, that's not very inclusive. And you see this happening in medical schools. I think Barry Weiss has reported on this um, where now you have like uh, DEI committees in medical schools where they're they're changing how they teach things because of how medicine has been historically racist. And you just, you sit here and you just go, they're actually fucking doing this. 
And the infuriating part, and where I sympathize with you guys, is I just I feel as helpless sometimes of stopping it as you guys do. And I'm someone that's gained a platform to be able to at least go, hey, wait a second, what what are you doing here? Um, and of course, because I have that platform, I become someone that you know can get a target on my back and so, nope, get him off. We saw this happen with Hunter Walker, who had a run in with me. Uh, a few days ago where Hunter, to know who, how disingenuous and dishonest this guy is, he basically made the January 6th attack all about him and uh, his lingering PTSD. And I almost died that day and, and this whole thing, who basically, uh, I posted a two-word tweet about how Martha's Vineyard doesn't have resources. And then he went on a multi-tweet thread about how I'm toxic to the entire online discourse. I'm a bad faith actor. I'm dishonest. And, what, and that him doing that, and he claims that just simply quote tweeting him is directing a mob at him. Um, and I basically told him, if you don't like Twitter's quote tweet feature, which I agree can send mobs after people, then you need to go t- take it up with them. Until then, I'm going to use Twitter the way that they have it designed. Um, so he goes off on this 10, you know, this 10, 15 tweet thread. For those of you who didn't see it or don't care. Um, and he's basically just Taylor Lorenz with a dick. And his whole goal in doing that is to attempt to get me deplatformed. Um, which I, I laugh and I'm saying, good luck getting me to platform for a two word tweet where I'm just using literally quoting you. Um, but he's one of these people who does this and they, they engage in these kinds of tactics where if you simply just stand up against it and you go, hey, hey hold on here. Wait a second. What's going on with this? Um, then suddenly you are a right wing extremist and you direct hate mobs at people. So they have their tactics. They know what they're doing. But again, these are the people who should be standing up against when Stacey Abrams says this fucking batshit crazy conspiracy theory about why an ultrasound exists and how it was created. These are the people who should be going, can she back that up? And she, let's let's call her campaign and say, hey, you said this thing about an ultrasound. Um, you said that this was created uh, with the device and the mechanism in mind to control women's bodies. Can you can you elaborate on that? And then you print her quote. Well, we know they're not going to do that. And this goes back to the same way of why they don't report on left wing violence that is specifically politically targeted two weeks after Dark Brandon's speech where, you know, he's basically standing in front of Cobra Commander's headquarters. Um, we, We were told for four years that there was a specific link between political rhetoric and the violence that occurred. That lasted for the Trump years. It didn't last, of course, for James Hoskinson on an Alexandria baseball field. And of course, Biden is not responsible for these two instances in the last two weeks of Democrat, a Democrat party violence against a journalist. And then of course, someone who said he thought this teenager was a Republican extremist and ran him down with a fucking truck. And on all you have to do is, is flip the party ID and you see how that would be treated. And that's what we notice. And again, that's why you should be celebrating every single time these people hit the unemployment line until they reform their ways, until they figure it out. Um, you, you should, we should be throwing parades every time journalists are laid off. Daniel, good to see you again. Go ahead. Hey, Stephen. Here I am. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this week's been pretty insane, huh? <laughs> has been this has been fun to watch all this stuff this week um yeah the uh the auto show thing where biden declared the uh pandemic over that was and kareem john pierre's uh, explanation he's he was just he was distracted by cars well well here's a here's a here's a little explanation maybe because see this is new to us here too because the auto show usually isn't in september where it's you know nice and 
you know, nice weather. It's not too hot, not too cold. I mean, we usually have it in the middle of January where it's, you know, technically the the lowest temperatures possible. And it's always that week. So, yeah, we may have been confused because we were too. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the thing about that to me, you know, being a, a Detroiter, as they say, um, it was really funny to me because working in the automotive industry, my job was threatened over this vaccine mandate. Um, even though I was vaxxed, they wanted my vax card and I, you know, just sat around and said, well, I'm, I'm not going to turn it in and see what happens and see what they do. Um, I was, I was met a couple times and told there were Uh, I think we lost you, Daniel. Are you still there? Let me give him a minute. Thirty seconds here. Uh, Dan Daniel, if you can hear, uh, we lost your sound. Um, I don't know if you muted your mic or what. Or your phone just screwed up, or it's probably the app because the app just updated. All right. Oh, Daniel, are you there? Yep. You got, you got me. Yeah, you dropped off there for about a minute and a half. Uh, oh. If you want to go back, go back to what you were saying about your your job was threatened over the vaccine mandate to start. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. Sorry about that. All um, right. Yeah. If, it's probably the app. Oh, I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where was I? Yeah, so basically, I just kind of let, I was vaccinated, um, didn't really want to be, but kind of, I don't know, whatever, regret it now. Uh, but anyway, I didn't want to give them my vax card, so uh, I, I kind of let it go for quite a while. Uh, my supervisor in, in meetings would mention to me, uh, one time he handed me the sheet and made sure that I, I saw and said there would be consequences if I didn't turn in the card. And so I did turn mine in eventually, uh, but then I was let go just a month ago. So just, you know, a month, you know, later, Joe Biden's walking around Cobo Hall saying this thing is all over. Um, so I really found that hilarious. Um Another hilarious part was, you know, just like two weeks after this firing, I got a nice card from this great corporate company that I worked for congratulating me on my retirement, which uh, that's weird. You, you fired me, dipshit. <laughs> Congratulations on your So I'm having retirement. a fantastic <laughs> week, Steve. Would they, would they do that over unemployment? Is that a way of basically trying to get out of unemployment for you or a severance? I, I don't know. We get. We get a buyout and all that, but you've got to sign the thing saying you won't sue for whatever. Yeah, I mean, and how am I going to take on any of these things, right? Who's going to do that? Right. Um, yeah. I, I thought, and I mentioned this on Kennedy last night. The, I mean, the funniest thing to me, and, and someone in my podcast comments said it, that this is a guy who his entire campaign was based on and predicated on shutting down the virus. Trump Trump has failed the, at the virus. He's failed shutting, you know, he's failed, he's done all this. He's, you know, businesses are closing, people are dying. 
Uh, remember the, the, the Trump COVID count and uh, his whole campaign was, I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. And he comes out and he basically says, we did it. We shut the virus down. It's over. Pandemic is over. We should. And within a day, his administration was like, no, no, you didn't. No, no, we didn't. No, no, no. It's still going. Dude, you got your student loan thing. Dude, what are you doing? And as I said that, you probably had every single White House lawyer that was consulted on the student loan forgiveness plan just have their mouth hit the floor. Uh, because if anyone wants to challenge that in court right there, you say, how does he, he says the pandemic is over and he's using the same thing to justify immigration. Uh, pretty much any policy Biden has right now, he's still using it under justification of COVID emergency. And uh, I, I thought that that was just the funniest thing in the world where you just said, you know, no, nope, pandemic's over. No, no, it's not. You did, you did not shut the virus down. The virus is still going, Joe. You have to remember that the virus is still going. Um, one other thing that's, that's, this, this constantly pops up, and I'm, I may even write about this, is Biden, and I, it's funny because I referenced this on the podcast two days ago, that Biden's head is such full of mush that he just, he repeats the same canned lines, essentially, for everything. And uh, he did this with Charlottesville, where he's always said that they, had the, they came out of the cornfields with veins bulging out of their head, and he said that like five times. And one of his ones is he always, he always screams about a box of food. He said, people remember the grocery stores, or a box of food, for God's sakes, or whatever. And I, and I was going like, how come he keeps repeating this? Well, today at the Atlantic Festival, this is the yearly thing the Atlantic puts on. Ron Klain said this. He goes, quote, it's easy to forget when Joe Biden came to office, people were in line at football stadiums looking for a box of food. The unemployment rate was 10%. Businesses closed. Schools closed. And so I'm like, okay, is Klain the one feeding him this? Because Biden never says football stadiums. Biden always said grocery stores. The people were in line at grocery stores putting boxes of food in their trunk. And I just I laughed because I'm like, I, I don't remember that happening. Uh, I thought that would probably be on the news. And then, of course, Klain says football stadiums, box of food. And so I went, OK, I, I've had enough of this. So I did some tentative research and I went, OK, I want to find out if this actually happened. Where are they getting this from? And one, I could not find any instances of people waiting in line for a box of food at a football stadium. First of all, if you guess what happens when you Google box of food football stadium, you get the Buffalo Bills tailgating images, okay? Um, the closest thing that I think that they're referencing is that a lot of food banks delivered food to senior citizens and people in vulnerable communities and nursing homes because they couldn't leave. They could go out shopping. Uh, because again, they, we didn't have a vaccine. This is this was where the virus was burning through people the most was seniors, and so people were putting boxes of food in their trunk. But they were food bank workers delivering them to senior citizens. And just about every instance that I looked up of this, that was the case. I can't find anything that shows the like people lining up for boxes of food to take home to their family. There was an instance in New York City, uh, for, and this is an NPR story where the military. Uh, step in and they were doing they were doing boxes of food and but they, that was the same thing they were they were loading it up for for health for social care workers to deliver to vulnerable populations in urban areas and then the elderly and this is one of these things again where you just go wait a second i mean none of this was true i mean businesses closed yeah schools closed you know we're all trying to find the person who did that randy weingarten um but yeah, it, this contrast of the, the they can't decide, and I've written, I think, three or four pieces along this line. They can't decide if the pandemic is over or if it isn't, depending on how they can use it for their policy goals. 
And I do think that whomever steps forward uh, for 2024 and says, no, I will definitively end this shit is probably going to get a lot of support on the political right. But as the Washington Post showed you, they're not going to let it go that easy. Uh, the Washington Post basically gave up the ghost in all of this when they said if Biden ends the pandemic, student loan forgiveness goes away. 15 people get kicked off Medicaid. That goes away. Um, and the, the housing vouchers go away. Uh, all of this stuff. And so the, and you're seeing you're going to see this. Uh, I mean, I just you can mark it where if a Republican presidential candidate comes through and says, no, we're going to end all of these COVID emergencies. We're going to learn to live with this. The media and the Democrats are going to say, see, they want to end your health care and they want you drowning in student loan debt. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, well, I give you some shit sometimes on the chaos schedule. I think I just say schedule now. I love it. I love bumping up the the (laughs) Patreon for that. So keep it up, man. Don't bother me none. No, no worries. I'm just picturing you like just sitting there at home, just waiting for my podcast now. Like you're like the you're like the uncle in one crazy summer trying to win the radio contest. <laughs> Where's my fucking podcast? I'm going to I'm going to see a rocket come through my office window and I have to post no podcast today. Um, All right. but good luck to you. I, I hope it works out and uh, I hope you find something else to, to keep you busy. So good luck. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right, Thank man. you, man. Cheers. Rock on. Uh, we'll get we'll get through Samuel, Ivan, and Jacqueline here, and so we'll just get through you through. I can't I can't not take Jackie's call. Samuel, did you get your Biden bucks yet? I've not got my Biden bucks yet. No update on that. I'm still still waiting on the old man to send me send me his credit card number, and I'll take advantage. Um, I'll try to be quick for the people behind me. I The main reason I called in is I just want to say that days like today are why there's proof that there's a God. Because, you know, abortion Twitter is nobody's favorite. Like, nobody really enjoys abortion Twitter. And I will say, unintentionally, it was a great strategic move from Abrams to move the uh, conversation back to abortion by making such a stupid-ass comment. But I just want to point out the CBS... And uh, today's show reports that, yeah, like, these, I think it was these, last these, night we saw these the were Abrams fun. clip. Yep, go ahead. These were yeah, fun. Yeah, it, it just, again, it falling at the exact same time, just, it, it's poetic. So there's the Today Show tweet that says, and it's just getting ratioed to absolute hell, and it's just beautiful. And it says, these images from researchers show that babies in the womb can possibly react to flavor. And... Steven, you did have a great tweet on that. It's pretty dark, but a great tweet about the vacuum. Uh, I can't think of what the exact. Imagine if they if they can react to uh, vegetables. And there was another one where they said they can react. So one one tweet and I forget which one it was, but one of them, I think it was CBS News, said fetuses react to to taste. And then the Today Show from NBC called them babies and said babies make faces with different flavors or tastes. (laughs) <laughs> or they say they react to it, right? And I just was kind of like, huh, wow, they react to things. Imagine how they react to getting vacuum sucked out of the womb. Do, the, do you think they have a reaction to that? I bet it's really surprising what that reaction probably is. It's probably not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, OG, it's, OG dark it's tweet. So this is, this is one of these things about the abortion debate. They just they interchange these terms as it suits them. You see it a lot with, like, celebrity babies, like – 
uh, oh, she's expecting her first baby, and it's it's one of those glib things a lot of pro life people do. Yes. Like, oh, it's a oh it's, oh, it's a baby now, like that. But as long as these people traffic in the hypocrisy, then I don't see a problem with that. But yeah, it's they just they turn on the terminology and they turn it off when they want to. They did this again with Latino and Latin and Latinx. They turn it off when it's unpopular. And they just turn it back on. Um, it's it's Bill Burr's joke about woke. It's which is one of my favorite bits. Is how you know rich white progressive women stole the term woke from black people, and they said. And Bill Burr says uh, in his and especially he goes, but I blame black people for that because you know it was one guy went to like some bullshit. Georgetown party and said woke and everyone there went what what's that I want to say that I'm going to say that now and yeah it's it's how they just turn this terminology on and off and how they say it and they're just like babies can taste kale and carrots and you're like oh really that's a the wait, they're babies? I don't think I don't think that that's just a, you know electric currents happening as what they're trying to now redefine what a heartbeat is or what fetal my favorite one is you know they used today was cardiac activity and <laughs> They do this, and they did this. They did this earlier this year. Before this year, we had never heard the term gender affirming care. When you know the Florida bill came out, and then when we started seeing things about puberty blockers and uh, medical facilities offering you know hysterectomies to underage children, you saw the left you know start to sweat, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Um, and I still I still can't believe DeSantis got them to defend. Uh, gender switching surgeries and, and gender switching uh, puberty medication for minors. It's like whatever position he takes, they have to take the opposite. And they did this with Donald Trump. No matter what it was, whatever Donald Trump believes, we're on the exact opposite of it, no matter what. And that's when, you know, the, he, he, when he said MS-13 are animals and they go, no, they're not. <laughs> Like you're because they're not, and DeSantis manages to do that a lot better than Trump because DeSantis just they're carrying that same thing over where they go, well, if you're for this, then we're against it no matter what, sir. We're we're resisting you, and Ron DeSantis comes out and he goes, fine, I'm banning puberty blockers for minors uh, until they're 18. No, you're not. We're we're going to be able to change the sexes of of eight year olds all we want, sir. And then they just sit there and they just go, okay. <laughs> like that's a, that's a position supported by like negative 3% of the country. And so they, they really got started sweating on, you know, why are medical facilities, why are you advocating uh, sex change operations for six-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds or 14-year-olds even? Like, why are you doing this? Suddenly it's, it's not that we're not doing that, sir, uh, because they are doing it and they are advocating for it. And so then it became, it's not puberty blockers. It became, it's gender affirming care. And they need this because they're going to die um, if they don't get it. Um, I saw a great tweet. I think it was Tennessee or Kentucky. One of the, or it's not Kentucky. It might've been Tennessee is the first state to. Per, uh, yeah, it was Tennessee. To propose a law banning any, any sort of puberty blocking uh, medications or anything for anyone under 18, for minors. And. I saw a great tweet, I think it was from uh, Holden, who said, this is going to go two ways. The first way it's going to go is they're going to say this is going to kill children. This is because they're vulnerable populations and this, they have a high suicide rate. And because they can't get gender affirming care, quote marks, then they're going to kill themselves. Um, and then he said the second part is uh, none of this is actually happening. And so why are you doing this? And that's what they did with critical race theory in schools. It's um, even Jake Tapper has a segment on 
where they talk about Republicans are banning books and he can't show you the books that they're kicking out of curriculums because <laughs> it's too graphic to show adults watching cable television. And yeah, it's just, it's the way that, and I think the other interesting thing, and you as just kind of a political guy, I'll appreciate, remember, Lindsey Graham has been all over the news over the abortion, his proposed abortion ban. And a lot of people on the political right are just like, dude, what are you fucking doing? Like, this is not an issue. This is not what we need to be talking about. You need to be talking about inflation. You need to be talking about school boards and school choice and da 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 and Lindsey Graham's making the rounds. Like, I'm sorry, you know, I just thought that this is something that is something that's going to do. And I mean, they kind of had a new cycle out of this and along comes Stacey Abrams and, you know, literally doing Leroy Jenkins her way into the uh, abortion debate. And now people are just going to put this up in an ad and just go, this is this is lunacy. This is up here with Ralph Northam, in my opinion. You know, Ralph Northam saying, you know, post 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 birth abortion. Are you OK with that? Uh, well, that we, we would just first make it comfortable. We'd give it a cigar, maybe some brandy, and then we would decide to kill it. Yeah, sure. Why not? And that was another instance where you had Ralph Northam's exact words and they knew how bad it sounded. So you had the collection of the of the national media go, oh, fuck, we have to defend this asshole in blackface now. God damn it. And so. They all jumped in and said, well, that's not what he meant. No, he's talking about prenatal abortion, da 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 And you just go, what's the difference between an abortion from a, a, a baby from the crowning of the head to five minutes later uh, it, it, when it's out of the womb? What's the difference there? And that's another question that they, they don't want to have to answer. And I've said, to me, you, you know, the pro-choice, uh, you know, anti-life platform is one of the ones where it's just it's dominant in media 99.9 percent .9 of journalists are pro-choice there is no pro-life reporter at the washington post there's no pro-life reporter at the new york times or on anywhere on on cable television or any news organizations anywhere they strictly think it's kind of a religious thing and the reason why the ultrasound clip is so damning to someone like stacy abrams and again, again, as I, I say, this is not someone who's pro-life or pro-choice or whatever, but every time medical technology has advanced, it has advanced on the side of the pro-life side. Um, every time we're able to, you know, improve ultrasound technology or technology to get in if there's a, if there's a problem with the pregnancy and they need to get in there and look or whatever, uh, new tools, camera scopes, all of this stuff has favored the side of the pro-life side. And I think that they know that. And I think that that fucking drives them crazy. And that's why they had to get out in front of what Stacey Abrams said, because they know what the alternative is. If they, if they actually fact check her, they know what it says. They know that the pro-life can go, mm-hmm, and just nod their head. Just, yep, yep. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for doing that. But he has to stand up and lie for her because again, they know what it means. Yeah. I mean, just a couple of quick thoughts and then I'll let the people behind me go. Um, I would just say number one. Uh, yeah. Like I have strong views about abortion, but honestly, I don't really care what your opinion is as long as you just don't bullshit me. So like, don't, it's a baby. Like it, it's a baby. And again, it, it falls into the, uh, the comedy clips of like both Burr and like Louis CK. Yeah. Like, Louis CK to me still it, has the best. He has the best yeah. commentary on abortion I've ever heard. And he's a 60 year old, perverted white man like i don't even agree with him but like don't just don't tell me it's not a baby it, it's a baby if you want to kill it make that argument but it, it's a baby get over it 
So like the, the fetuses react is just one of the greatest like headlines I've ever seen. It's just like, Oh, so it's, it's a, and you're showing the baby's face and it's like, yeah, that, that's a, that's a fetus. Uh-huh. And right, then, right on the right on the heels of the the Stacey Abrams blow up, which is still trending on Twitter. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's like if they react to tasting kale, imagine imagine how they might react to like falling out of a ten story window. Probably wouldn't have a very good reaction to that, would they? So if they can like react to things, they must be able to react to a lot of things. And that's when you kind of do the you know the the Eddie Murphy Jewish guy sitting in the barber shop. Aha! Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think it's funny how CBS, they did the same story, but like CBS is like, it's a fetus. And then NBC goes, it's a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Get on the same page, guys. Come on. Come on. You guys have a narrative to protect here. What are you doing? Uh, and then just with the Lindsey Graham thing, like I was one of the ones who was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing to do, but I'm like, this is just like the wrong time to be doing this. And of course he picked the exact wrong day. You know, he could have done it a week later. But, you know, there is a case by some people on the right. And I, I think it's somewhat uh, persuasive just that you can't entirely cede this issue to the Democrats and you have to stand for something. And standing on the platform of, of a 15 week abortion ban is not exactly the worst position to take. So I think that the rollout was bad, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm almost kind of falling into the camp where it's like, you know what? try to get them on record as voting against a 15 week abortion ban and you come out in favor of that. Cause that's not, it, it's much better than, um, you know, saying being on record as a, as a full on, you know, a ban all abortions, even though that's what, you know, some of us would prefer. It's just not a feasible thing and you have to live within reality. And then the last final quick thing I'll say, just cause somebody did ask me in the chat about polling, um, if you just look at the polls, just follow people who tweet them. They are continuing to get closer and closer. You know, have Laxalt leading, Bud is leading, Rubio is obviously leading, Oz is closing. Pretty much all the races are closing and getting very close. And with, I mean, even in Pennsylvania, has been pointed out by like Rob Pyers that I think Oz is actually spending more money on television right now than Fetterman, which back in the summer. Democrats had seven to one, nine to one advantage on television. And now Republicans save the money that they have and are spending it, you know, now. And you see these races that are closing and it's not a surprise. Um, So I would just say, you know, I feel I still feel really good about where all the races are. The one that I'm watching the closest right now is Arizona, because that's the one Senate race that it's gotten closer but it's still not as close. Whereas Lake is either leading or like a point or two behind Hobbs, which in Masters is still down six, seven, eight points. So I think if anybody is going to lose a race that we think they should be able to win, it's going to be Masters. But Carrie Lake is going to be the next governor of Arizona. And that's just crazy to me after the Trump effect in Arizona with the McCain's. The fact that Carrie Lake, who I'm sure is no John McCain fan, is probably going to win there just is a testament to how horrible Hobbs is. But um, that's all I'll say. Have a good night. There we go. Uh, I'm having trouble again. There we go. Hopefully you can hear me. Um, I had trouble unmuting my mic. 
so I guess so uh, if you hear any dogs barking in the background or whatever um, you're going to have to live with it I guess so will I uh, we'll go Jacqueline Pierce jumped on there at the end god damn it um, so I'm going to have to take his call because it's a podcast supper so Jackie how are you go ahead I'm doing good and uh, I wanted to let you know that if Ronnie D wants to keep sending people to Martha's Vineyard. I'll turn myself into an ICE office. <laughs> it's say you know, I'm an illegal you, alien. You could all just get be so lucky to get to get that flight to Martha, a free flight to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, um, a free hotel stay. It's like while, well, it's, while it's still nice this time of year, not 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 yeah. in December, um, not not in December, but it is nice this time of year. So yeah. Um, I'm I'll, up for that. I'll as drive well. to the ta- I'll drive to the Tampa ICE office and turn myself in and get that free flight to Martha's Vineyard, get a two night stay there, and then they can ship me wherever they want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> just say just say you need to, you need to go back you need to go to Tampa. You you forgot something. Yeah, um, I'll just I'll just put left, on my you left, cool your, you left your you left your immigration papers in Tampa, so you, you need yeah, to go back. I'll just put on my cool runnings accent and act like I'm from Jamaica and I just came over illegally. So where's that waiver? Get... <laughs> just staple but, it to um... your shirt. <laughs> but um, what you were talking about with uh, Biden, with the boxes, like there were places, I don't, there, like Tampa Stadium, I'm pretty sure did distribute like churches came at the stadium to like give out food boxes and local churches a lot like all over because I live in a suburb but a lot of churches had you know food boxes that they would get you know food donations from different grocery stores or different companies if they had overstock so it is something that happened down here because I've seen it and I've like seen it on the news. Like it, that is something that happened, but it wasn't the government doing it. It was churches doing it. And and food banks. And so a lot of yeah, what I food read banks. about was yeah. it was it was church volunteers, it was food banks. It wasn't them themselves putting the box of food like at a grocery store. People weren't rolling up to grocery stores. And then getting a box of food at the grocery store. What that that's what Joe no. Biden said. And then Ron Klain said no. people were rolling up to football stadiums and getting a box of food. And that's not what was happening. The food was being uh basically delivered. So they were loading food into cars in boxes, but then it was yes. food bank volunteers, it was National Guard, and it's like you said, it was church volunteers delivering that food to other people who did not have the means at the time to go out and get it. Biden's kind of suggesting that this was such an economic malaise that that's what was happening, that people were just, you know, it was it was uh, this dystopian hellscape where people couldn't get food. They had they had to there were lines of cars lining up to get food at the grocery stores. And he's completely misrepresenting. Like you said, it wasn't the government doing this. He's completely misrepresenting one how it was happening and why it was happening. It wasn't happening because, you know, people were in destitute. It was happening because elderly people could literally not leave their fucking house. And so you had food bank volunteers and National Guard and, like you said, church members delivering the food to them, not because there was a shortages, although we know that there was shortages on certain things. Um, 
and not because so many people had been laid off that they were going hungry in their places. There was always, you know, for the most part, enough food. We knew that some grocery store shelves like went empty with paper towels and shit like that. But he's completely misrepresenting uh, to to kind of paint how things were during the pandemic, uh, to paint them worse than they actually were. And I don't understand why he has and him and Klain have to make this up because it was a pretty hard fucking few months. We all know that we all went through it. But now they have to go back. Exactly. And they're still attempting to rewrite history on on who closed schools and how schools remained closed and who helped keep them closed. And, you know, we had teachers staging die-ins uh, in some of these states like Georgia, like Kemp, who were trying to reopen schools. And you had the unions, go you know, and they were laying in the street and they were laying in front of the schools. And this is what's going to happen. And you had the Chicago Teachers Union saying, you know, reopening schools is uh, going to kill people. And it's also racist. And so it's interesting that they can just do this and they can do it at the Atlantic Forum and you just have, you know, these guys just, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's right, there were boxes of food, there were lines of boxes of food. And this is something I may, I'm going to maybe look into it more because this is starting to get on my nerves, this canned line of something that literally didn't happen. And no one asks, wait a second, when when did you see boxes of food at a football stadium? I There were, there were drives at stadiums for supplies and I think the NFL did this. Um, where you you could go drop off supplies at stadiums. So, uh, like for instance, I knew at the time that the the the, the Denver Broncos did a, did a supply drive, for instance, and I think they did in other things where it wasn't food. It wasn't food. It was supplies. It was PPE. So hospitals needed masks. They needed gloves. They needed anything. Um, and so people were dropping off their supplies that they had. It had nothing to do with lines of boxes of food it was delivering ppe gear uh for emergency workers and that's the only thing i could find about stadiums yeah and well and i hadn't actually gone to tampa stadium i just saw stuff on tv so i don't know actually what they're giving away but my mom's church like she retired and she would work at her church and pack food boxes on friday and then pass them out on saturdays And they would get donations from big companies, even, like, soda companies and Lay's and, like, get whole chicken and, like, steak and sausage, like, like all sorts of type of food. And they would pack them, all, like, the retired old ladies would just go there, pack boxes on Friday afternoon, and then they'd pass them out on Saturday morning. And, like, that's what they did for about a year during the pandemic. And so, like, stuff like that happened at a lot of churches around here. And they would have, like, diaper drives, for especially during the um, the baby formula thing. Like, if people found baby formula or could get even, like, the trial size cans so people get baby formula because there was no baby formula anywhere. So, it's, like, stuff like that happened, but it was vastly the majority of churches around the area because like where i live there's a church in every corner and like i said it's a very conservative suburb outside of tampa and that's just what you see everywhere yeah like i said i don't know this i don't know why this one gets under my skin i think it's because because biden just yells it Whenever he brings it up, he like screams it 
people really animates him and the funniest thing was it didn't happen like he's he's yelling and screaming about something that didn't happen the way that he either thinks it did or the way ron clain says it did and that's why i made the joke today like oh ron clain's using the box of food line i guess so we know who gave that to biden and you know who's actually in charge now yeah and and the thing and exactly what you're saying like the way biden presents it is that it was the government after he came in was the ones that had to provide the food. No, it was churches and corporations that donated food on their own accord, not the government. The government just kept stealing our money. They weren't giving anybody anything. They just kept stealing everybody's money. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I may, I may write more about this. If I see like... If I see him drop this fucking line again, like the next week, it's gonna it's gonna prompt me to to really get into this and say, no, why does he keep saying this, and why does he keep getting away with it? Well, we know why, obviously, because Gun Kessler is too busy bending over backwards for Stacey Abrams. Uh, Jacqueline, I'm gonna move oh, on. Oh yeah, to Pierce. sorry about sorry about the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, the cardiac, right, act- the later. electrical, <laughs> the electrical pulse, cardiac activity, and he's calling it anything to get around what it actually is. So, Jacqueline. Good to hear. All right, gonna, thank I'm you. Gonna get to Pearson, wrap things up. Yeah. So. All right. Thanks. Cheers. <clears throat> All right, Pierce. I made an exception for you, so you better have some good tier ideas. Great. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about tiers. I didn't want to waste your time. Uh, I have right. two points that I want to talk about. Number one, uh, I can't believe us. You know, our patriarchal cabal was just blown out of the water by Stacey Abrams. I just yeah. can't understand how that even happened. Uh, for years, decades, we were fooling women into keeping the baby. Um, and then step two, or number two is given how uh, Planned Parenthood changed her definition of a heartbeat uh, just, you know, hours after that, that Abrams quote comes out. And then you look at President Biden saying, hey, you know, we're no longer in a pandemic. We, I, I squashed the virus. And then the White House having to step him back and step back that, uh, that statement time and again. Uh, it just feels like the mask has come off so much that Planned Parenthood is a, a, a political operation and therefore should re, you know be defunded. And that's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Uh, I think the bigger question is why do conservative right-wing politicians continue to say this without actually doing it? Um, they've, they've had Congress enough times where they could have completely defunded. The, it, one of my favorite things about Planned Parenthood is you always see where they have bolathons or they have fundraisers and like galas they have like Anna Wintour hosts a gala where they raise fifty sixty thousand dollars and uh I always just simply just go oh you can do that Planned Parenthood takes donations do they hmm that's interesting which is kind of where I'm at on it I don't think there should be any taxpayer funds to an organization like Planned Parenthood like full stop period um pardon the pun um and so I think the better the better question is and when I talk about maybe a new form of aggressive conservatism, maybe that's what's next. Uh, maybe you do get someone in there who actually pulls the trigger on that and does it, um, despite the hoots and howls of, you know, the, the Women's March people and the media. And I think that that's where you have to go. You have to just start to block that noise out and say, these people are going to be like this anyway. You need to go ahead with your policy goals. These are the same people who said DeSantis would uh, pay dearly for uh, his stunt with Disney. And as it turns out, most people support once they get into the position of um, the parents' education bill, most people even 
uh, liberals in Florida agree with it. It has po popularity and that, again, it just shows you the purposeful failure uh, of agenda-driven media. So circle of life, Simba. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks. I know we only did a few callers tonight, but it's getting late for some people there. Um, <clears throat> I will address quickly. So as I said, I didn't podcast it. And I'll probably say this for the suburbs on the podcast tomorrow. My feline is going to be fine. He's not going to lose his eyeball. Um, it was not a, uh, a melanoma, which was the fear that he had a tumor on his eye and they were going to have to just, you know, pluck that out. Speaking of vacuum suction, um, it's just a, uh, it, it's just a small scab that that's caused in the breed of Persians. And so they think it'll be cleared up with eye drops. So, uh, the worst averted. And again, I got, a, I got some comments from people asking about the feline. So, uh, I just would give that update today. So that's why I wasn't able to podcast, um, so, again, thanks for emails and stuff on that. Thanks tonight for callers. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you guys continue to make, uh, when I do this, you guys continue to make it kind of one of the top-rated shows here on call. And I think we're always up number two or three. Uh, I think Matt Taibbi climbed back up there. Uh, but these are these are people, when I say Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, uh, Brown Drug, these are people with infinitely larger audiences and bigger platforms than I have. So when you guys bump me up there like that, uh, it's encouraging. And you guys kind of make me kind of want to keep doing this. So, um, again, thank you for that. I, I do plan on doing this tomorrow night as well, probably a little bit earlier, uh, just kind of a week wrap up, blow some steam off, try not to take it too seriously. And then maybe a Saturday episode for brunches for assholes, uh, which if you're unfamiliar with, I just do brunches for assholes. If you want to call, uh, give me your, your, your most pretentious worst brunch dish that you can think of and uh we kind of goof off a little bit so stay tuned for that I, again i plan on doing a couple more this week because just to make up for not being able to do them so again thank you this is versus media live this has been an episode where are we 44 i'm gonna try to hit 50 uh this month still just because i'm an obsessive and that's in my head uh but this has been episode 44 uh open forum new explosion joe biden 60 minutes and uh, Stacey Abram with her uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy that all ultrasound machines are there courtesy of The Handmade Tale. So, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, be back here tomorrow night. And I will be back on Versus Media uh, tomorrow over on Patreon. So tune in there. Uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to end this room now. So, again, thanks. <laughs>